Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Statz-Guerrera. It's Friday. Michelle Majuk is here. Happy Friday, Michelle. Happy Friday. Cheers, y'all. I have a mimosa. So I went with Mimosa Michelle as my name today. There you go. I love it. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I've had a stressful week. Ready to have my weekend and enjoy it. There we go. Uh, I'm glad you have the mimosa. I, I think that uh, you'll find when Michelle has a mimosa, the show gets better as we go <laughs> along for some reason. I'm just not saying why, but I just noticed that. Sometimes I get a little bit more critical of the players or especially Kyle Shanahan. So we'll see where that goes. Well, you're joining Grant Cohn because he seems to be on a mission right now to get Kyle Shanahan fired. So okay. uh, I'm not there, at least. <laughs> okay. I would like him to still be the coach. I just want him to be less stubborn. That's all. Okay. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. Help us get our star rating up. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. This one comes from GF Eater. Five stars, the best. Robin and Michelle are the best. Love their analysis and banter, fun and informative. So we're the best. Enjoy we that. We are the best. And I love our banter too. I do enjoy it. And I'm so glad that I'm able to be back with you. Last week, Levin filled in for me. and I, th- I loved your chemistry together, but, you know, I'm always going to favor myself in these comparisons. Oh, yeah. I-, I missed you, but I did. Like, I was like, wow, I feel like Levin and I clicked more than I thought we would. There you go. No, it, it was good. You wouldn't know it to speak to him or look at him, but turns out Levin knows how to do a good show. He, he's uh, a pretty good host. On today's show, we are going to start our fantasy football preview. Today's show is going to be all about the 49ers specifically. We're going to go through quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. I'm not going to make you do kickers or defense because I know you hate those, Michelle. Thank goodness. Uh, Thank you. Because I was we, not prepared for defense good. or kicker. Even though kicker is going to be a thing for 49er fans this year, we don't have to get into it. And then for the next few weeks after this, Michelle is going to do top tens at all those positions also throughout the entire NFL. So you will be fully prepared for your fantasy drafts by the time 49ers training camp kicks off. So I'm, I'm just going to lean on you basically for like the next month. That sounds great, but I want everyone to remember I had Cortland Sutton as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver last year. So like, you know, listen to, you know, the context I have to say about these players, but don't uh, live and die by my rankings because <laughs> I can be wrong. 
don't say we're going to do all your fantasy advice and then say, oh, but don't pay attention to any of it. No, pay attention to, I will give context around everything. I think that's the important thing. The rankings on the other hand, aren't like, just because I have Cortland Sutton, like last year, or let's say this year I have Tyreek Hill, one spot of Stefan Diggs. It doesn't mean that's the way you got to go, right? Okay. Well, yeah, use your own discretion. Yeah. By the way, I know this uh, bothers you. I have ordered my fantasy football magazine. It is on the way. I can't wait for it to arrive. Can't wait to crack it open, sit down with my highlighter and start going through it all. They're going to have Jameer Gibbs at like running back 30 and he's going to be at like running back eight by the time you draft uh, in September. But that's fun. That's fun for you. It is fun for me. Leave me alone. Let me have Oh, you need to tell me where Alexander Madison is, where you get it. I want to know if they fixed it or not. All right. I will with, tell you when it Dalvin arrives. Cook release now, Alexander Madison should be, you know, top 20 at the very least, probably top 15. But if he's all the way down there at like 40, you know, they didn't even uh, edit it from that. All right. Are you done poo-pooing on my fun? Yeah. Can we I start am. the rankings, please? I, yeah. Let's do it. I need to take a right. second MMOs. There you, <laughs> there you go. Let's start uh, with the quarterback because this is obviously the biggest question for the 49ers and it impacts every other skill player on the roster, obviously. How do you approach the 49ers quarterbacks when it comes to fantasy? Is it just an avoid at all cost situation? Because, I mean, Brock Purdy down the stretch last year was putting up two touchdowns a game. Yeah, he was a solid enough quarterback. Like if you pick him up off waivers and you were struggling with the Aaron Rodgers or, you know, just the Justin Herbert who couldn't score. If you picked him up, uh, you were pretty happy. So when I did my projections for the 49ers, I did just project it with Brock Purdy because right now it seems like he's going to be back early in the season, even if it's not week one. It seems like it's going to be pretty soon after week one. So instead of messing around and being like, well, this one game is going to be with Trey Lance. Like I just did the full 17 games with Brock Purdy and I have him having a pretty solid season. I have him with nearly 4,200 passing yards, just under 29 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions and three rushing touchdowns. However, with those numbers that would put him to project him to 279 fantasy points which makes him from last year, if you compare it to last year, he would have been the quarterback 13 overall, but that amount of points, mm. that's not really the spot. It's not really a quarterback you want to draft, right? He yes. can be a fine waiver guy to pick up, but that would have put him right around Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers last year. No one enjoyed playing those guys. It was, <laughs> I had Herbert in many leagues. It was not fun playing him because he never freaking scored any points. So I, I think he's a fine fantasy quarterback to, you know, grab off waivers at times during the year when he has nice matchups, but he's not someone I'm going to be looking to draft in my fantasy drafts. The 49ers, like you kind of casually threw out there. Yeah. You know, 4,000 yards passing. The 49ers have not had a 4,000 yard passer in a really, really, really long time. I believe since Jeff Garcia, was the quarterback. So like, we can just kind of toss that out there. And, but like, we have not had that from San Francisco. I think it's mostly comes down to health though. Right? Like if, if Jimmy played the whole year last year or if Brock played the whole year, they would have likely gotten over that 4,000, not a ton over it, but they, I I do think if Brock Purdy would have played the whole year, what, what was his passing yards per game average? I should know that, but it wasn't much. I think it was below 200 or right around 200. For his starts? Yeah. No way. I'm telling you. 
They if didn't pass as often as I thought. So I looked like they were only in his five starts. They're only like on a pace for 477 pass attempts on the season with that his, pace. So they were, high, they did not let him pass very often. His high was 284. And that's when against the Raiders in that game where they basically, they had to keep throwing and scoring the 37. They did have, he had 332 in the playoffs against Seattle. So his, 17 game projection would have put him at 3,700 passing yards for his five starts just Below in the regular the season. <laughs> yeah. So I'm projecting him to get a little bit better this upcoming year, then pass a little bit more than they did because in those five starts in the regular season, 21 attempts, 26, 22, and 20, he only had one game with over 30 pass attempts. That was against the Raiders when they randomly were scoring nonstop. That was, that was a weird game. Do you think he'll keep up the touchdowns? Because that was the one thing with Brock. He was throwing at least two touchdowns every game. Yeah, I, I don't have him like he was on a pace for 37 touchdowns of the, if he were to play the whole season. I don't have him going that crazy. I, I think that past touchdown percentage will go down a little bit. That's why I have him around 20. And I could see him getting the 32. Like I wouldn't be shocked but I could also see him throwing 22. So I kind of have him in the middle there where I think 29 is a nice spot. It's not like Devo Samuel is this big receiving touchdown guy. Brandon, Ayuk's kind of there in the middle. George Kittle had a really good receiving touchdown year with Brock last year, but he doesn't have a ton of guys where you're like, and I just think they're going to use Christian McCaffrey so much around the goal line. He's, he's not going to be putting up close to 40 passing touchdowns. Lee Ving says in two quarterback leagues, Brock was gold at the end of the season. Yeah. That's true. In a two quarterback league, if Brock is your number two, I feel like you're in a good spot. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I said, like if the points I'm projecting him to have would have put him at quarterback 13 last year, that's at the top of the second quarterbacks, right? If everyone has two quarterbacks then you have one of the best uh, quarterback two that you can have. So if you're in a two quarterback league, I do think Brock could be a really great value as well, because we don't know how healthy he'll be. We don't even know if he's going to start week one or what. So he could end up being a great value. I don't get the two quarterback league thing. Like, what is the point? It's really big in dynasty leagues. Like I play all my dynasty leagues. It's mostly super flex. So it doesn't have to be two quarterbacks, but you want to play two quarterbacks because you can play a quarterback in one of your flex spots but it's big in dynasty. I actually don't play any redraft with two quarterbacks. I know that you said you, you just figured Brock for the whole 17 games for the purposes of simplicity, mm -hmm. but how much would your projections for the rest of the team change if it was Lance or Darnold at quarterback? Or do you think that because of Kyle's system, it doesn't really matter that much? Well, if it was Sam Darnold, then I would have, like I have Ayuk scoring seven receiving touchdowns, so what I, which I do think is a little pessimistic. I, I think he could score more than that. And I have Kittle getting double digit touchdowns again at 10. If Sam Darnold's a starter, those go down. <laughs> like I'm not projecting those numbers. And also maybe even with Trey Lance, if he's the starter for long, like I don't think he'd be passing a ton of touchdowns. So this really does come down to Brock Purdy. It wouldn't change really anything for me with Christian McCaffrey, except maybe his rush attempts increase. If Trey Lance is in the game, his receptions, maybe would go a little bit down, but Christian McCaffrey is the focal point of this offense, no matter who the quarterback is. All right. Well, then let's get to the running backs. We'll start with Christian McCaffrey, but the Niners are, you know, they love to run the ball. They have multiple guys that can do the job, but we'll start with Christian McCaffrey. I would assume of all this 
bunch of 49ers that he is the one guy you would get if you could get anybody. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's going to be a top two pick, probably top one for in, in many fantasy drafts. He's going to go right at the top there. I have him projected for a very nice season, almost uh, over 1,800 scrimmage yards, 15 scrimmage touchdowns. I have him with the bulk of the carries here for the 49ers at 260 and 11 rushing touchdowns with 90 targets, 626 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. So I clearly envision him to be the workhorse for this team and to be the focal point. Now that comes out to 322 PPR points. That would have actually put him at running back four this season. If you just look at those points, uh, it would have put him right behind Austin Eckler himself because he scored more than that last year and Josh Jacobs. Then, but it was a huge chunk ahead of the next guys. It was a huge chunk more than Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley who were at running back four and five. So it still would have put him in that elite tier. By the end of it, when I have all my projections done, CMC will be my running back one or two. I keep going back and forth between him and Bijan Robinson. I cannot decide. But uh, I, I think Bijan's that shiny new guy in the league that I'm getting excited about. But I think Christian McCaffrey, besides health, is the safest guy to take. I mean, if he's on the field playing, he's going to score a lot of fantasy points. It's just that's it. He totally transformed the offense last year. Mina Kimes was just talking about this on her podcast uh, with Field Yates, where I think they were rating all the top offenses. And and Mina had the Niners offense at number five overall. She was tweeting out some of the numbers after they got Christian McCaffrey. Well, I mean, before they got Christian McCaffrey, the Niners were 21st in DVOA, 19th in EPA per play, and 26th in QBR. After they got Christian McCaffrey, they were first in DVOA, first in EPA per play, and second in QBR. That is the effect that he has had on this team. I don't know if they'll be that good next year because defenses will have had time to adjust and stuff like that. But at the same time, Christian McCaffrey will have had time to learn the system, which he was kind of doing on the fly last year. So I don't know how much to adjust that. It's also hard because Brock Purdy came in, right? So we don't know how much of it came down. Christian McCaffrey definitely changed this offense. Don't get me wrong. Like, A, Elijah Mitchell couldn't stay healthy. And going from Jeff Wilson to Christian McCaffrey as your main guy in your office, like that's going to make a huge, huge difference. And then not depending on Debo Samuel too with these carries and defenses totally knew what was happening. Like he did open up things for everybody. So I'm definitely putting that on that. And I do think Brock Purdy was so successful because he had a guy like Christian McCaffrey as a weapon. I I think I I don't see why this would change in this offense. They have all the same weapons. It really does come down to the quarterback and uh, Alberto Soto. uh, One of the comments we got, he said, why would the touchdowns go down with Sam Darnold as quarterback? So Sam Darnold in his career, has a 3.5 pass touchdown percent. So amount of touchdowns you throw in your pass attempts, 3.5. That is second worst among 24 quarterbacks that have 1,500 pass attempts since 2018, since he joined the league. Only Daniel Jones has a worse percent. And it's Daniel Jones at 3.4, Sam Darnold at 3.5. The next worst is Andy Dalton at 4.2. That is a huge jump from 3.5. So those are the worst three, and then Derek Carr is sitting there also at 4.2. Want to know what's just, funny about that? What? The quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan reportedly wanted were Sam Darnold and Andy Dalton. 
I mean, like, I understand his numbers would probably increase with Kyle Shanahan, but I can't. I mean, Sam Donald's been so incredibly bad. You can't just be like, oh, these players will be fine with him just because of Kyle Shanahan. Like, we've seen some quarterbacks not be good under Kyle Shanahan. I don't know why we're acting like every single one that's played under him has been amazing. And also, like, if you're going to say that Shanahan is worth, like, a 15 or 20% boost, whatever you want to put it at, mimosa alert, um, why not get a quarterback who's already good? So when he gets that boost, he goes from good to great instead of going from trash bag to league average. So, yes, leaving. A nice way of saying Donald <laughs> sucks for fantasy. He sucks for fantasy? He sucks for real life. Turns <laughs> out he's just not any good. Imagine yeah. that. Um, here's the thing with the 49ers, though. Behind Christian McCaffrey, it's interesting. You mentioned Elijah Mitchell. When he's on the field, he's awesome. He averaged over six yards a carry last year. The problem is... He can never, ever stay on the field. I don't even know if Elijah Mitchell is going to make the team, honestly, because Jordan Mason is there, and Jordan Mason was really, really good in a limited time he played. And the Niners are good at finding these undrafted guys. They still have Ty Davis Price. I don't know if they remember they still have Ty Davis Price. What do you think when you look at the running backs behind Christian McCaffrey? I don't care. I don't, I, it's not, I'm not going to draft any of them. I mean, they would be handcuffs, right? If Christian McCaffrey were to go down to injury, then if, like you said, Elijah Mitchell could possibly not make this team. It's not due to talent. I mean, he's clearly, Mm -hmm. I think the second most talented running back on this team, but how, how much time can you give him to prove that he can stay healthy? I mean, after last year's, his last injury, I was like, I think they just need to move on. I mean, how long can you keep him on this roster for? Uh, with Christian McCaffrey there, Elijah Mitchell's just not going to get enough work to matter for fantasy. He could be good. Like when he gets in, he can average five yards a carry and can be really good for the 49ers, but it's not going to be enough to matter for fantasy. Maybe he goes out there and breaks off a long run and has a nice fantasy week, but being able to predict that is going to be absolutely impossible. So I want nothing to do with these backups unless CMC were to go down. Maybe if you have a really big, deep roster, if you're in a league that drafts a lot of players and you take Christian McCaffrey early, maybe you spend one of those last picks on either Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell if he were to make the team. But that's all it would be is just uh, insurance policy. That's it. Even if Mitchell makes the team, there's no guarantee he's RB2. I could easily see Jordan Mason passing him on the depth Elijah chart. Elijah Mitchell is much more talented than Jordan Mason, though. Okay, but you can't. If you can't be counted on to stay on the field, why am I going to, you know, put you in a position where we have to depend on you? That's my thing. The Niners have to stop depending on guys that get hurt. They kept Cart and Jimmy Garoppolo back out there. It's hoping that this was the year that he stayed healthy. And for the most part, he never did except for one year. And they just kept putting themselves in bad situation. Javon Kinlaw, same thing, right? Hurt guys get hurt. D Ford, same thing. You got to stop that. Just assume they are going to get hurt and go with somebody else. It's so uh, hard, though, because you know how electric Elijah Mitchell is. So if you were yes. to let him go and he goes to another team, like he's going to have good plays. And it's hard to let a, go- a guy go that, you know, if whenever he is healthy for his one quarter, he is going to have some special plays. And then also, you know, like you don't want Jordan Mason to be the full-time starting running back. If Christian McCaffrey were to go down, if you still have Elijah Mitchell and he can stay healthy, that's okay, right? He's not even close to CMC, but he can hand he can be a good enough force in the backfield to actually make a difference. You really want Jordan Mason back there? Handling. Yeah, why not? 
I think you just think because that one big run, like that didn't matter. Like he's, he's been always... good every time he's played, he's been good. Like yeah. it's running back. This he's is what the Shanahan's that's what the Shanahan's do. I'm old enough to remember. Well, then, okay, my- so I, I need to ask you then. We're gonna get off track here for a second, but listening to you and Levin yesterday, you said you would be more worried about Christian McCaffrey's health than a quarterback's health. And yes. then you're also talking about Derrick Henry, the Titans and stuff like that. You guys are so wrong. You're so wrong. Hey, do we not remember Derrick Henry missing a half of a season and the Titans still being the number one seed in the AFC and not mattering because Deonta Foreman came in and was like, could do it. Like somehow was productive, uh, like never has been, but he was productive. He wasn't Derrick Henry. No, no one will be, but the team was fine. They won games. They were the number one seed. Derrick, Derrick Henry stays healthy last year. You know who did it? Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis comes in and that, that team fell to shambles. I mean, they weren't even a team anymore. They like could not do anything. And so the quarterback matters so much more. I mean, you would have much rather lost Christian McCaffrey in the NFC championship game than Brock Purdy by a gazillion. But that's dependent on who's behind them, right? But you always have a bad, you know, like most teams don't have a good backup quarterback. The 49ers, I would argue this year, do, right? If Brock, it was different last year. Brock was the third string guy last year. He got hurt. Then it was Josh freaking Johnson. That There's a difference this year. If Brock gets hurt, it's the number three pick in the draft, we think. I think, I still think cool. even if Trey Lance were to bet on the team last year and healthy and he hasn't played like pretty much the whole year because most backups don't, right? You would much rather your running back go down and having to throw in Trey Lance in that situation. It doesn't matter how good you think you can be. Like, go on to the next running back. You will live. Like, you'll be fine. You Like, that's not going to be the nail in the coffin. Losing your starting quarterback is... Not for this team this year, I don't think. Honestly, look, we saw before Christian McCaffrey got to the 49ers, even with Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and all those people, they were scoring 19 points a game. But let's say Brock Purdy gets hurt and then we're like, oh, it's fine. We just go to Trey Lance. What if Trey Lance gets hurt? If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt and then you put in Elijah Mitchell, you don't have to be on the edge of your seat like, oh, my God, Elijah Mitchell can't get hurt. He'll just move on to the next running back. Who cares? When the quarterbacks, it's like, oh, well, you'll have to move on to Sam Darnold. Yeah, but like, now you're projecting two quarterback injuries. The question was ha- okay. full health for either. But you have to assume that there's still a risk for injury at the next quarterback. Well, yeah, but there's always a risk for injury. But the question we're specifically talking about is starting quarterback or starting running for back. every single team, it's starting quarterback. No, and I don't you guys were like, oh, definitely the Titans. Derrick Henry matters way more. I mean, we've seen it over the last two years. Derrick Henry doesn't matter, even close to even a Ryan Tannehill, who's not a special quarterback in the slightest. Who's the quarterback behind him? Malik Willis. But right. why Eric- do we know that Trey Lance is any better than Malik Willis? Well, we don't know for sure. Exactly. I would still much rather take my chances with Trey Lance. Malik than Willis I had a ton of hype. Everyone thought he was going to be fun. Yeah, Malik so. Willis wasn't the third overall pick in the draft, was he? It's a slight difference there. Well, Sam Darnold was the third overall pick in the draft, and you don't yeah. want to see him. Right. They're not all great, but I'm saying the chances of Trey Lance being better than Malik Willis, I think, are pretty good. Like, damn. Let's let's Malik Willis is terrible. Come on. And you know I'm a Trey Lance supporter. I just the quarterback matters more than the running back. That's all I'm saying. Would Mason be the deep bench stash? I think if Elijah Mitchell makes this team, it's Mitchell. Yeah. If he makes the team, I he'll we don't even know if Jordan Mason will get snaps over Ty Davis Price. Oh, yeah, he, he, will. he did last year. He did last year all the time. 
because he played on special teams. Okay, well, uh, the Shanahan changes his running backs all the time. It well, they be- have been different leading rusher every year, the Shanahan regime. Nick Eller, YouTube channel member. Shout out to all our YouTube channel members, by the way. Please feel free to sign up for that. Less than $3 a month. Nick says, my favorite, Mimosa Michelle, huge well wishes for your wife. Hard times will only make you stronger. Yes. My wife got laid off, if anyone's wondering, but we're getting through it and she's going to find a job. I've been there. (laughs) Yes, you have. It'll be fine. She's very talented. She'll land on her feet. Yes, she is. And she will. Uh, Nick Ellard says, if Mason became number one, would Ty Davis Price be the touchdown vulture? Ugh, I don't know. This is just all terrible situations, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope Christian McCaffrey stays healthy. Let's hope Elijah Mitchell can make this team and stay healthy. And we don't have to, like, if we're worrying about Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price and fantasy, things have gone wrong for the 49ers. Things have gone wrong yeah. for fantasy. And if you drafted Christian McCaffrey at the 101 and he gets hurt and misses a lot of time, your team is probably hurting, right? Like, it, it's not going to help you that you have Jordan Mason on your bench all too much. He's not going to put up even a half of what CMC does. Well, yes. I think the drop-off between CMC and other guys, just the versatility of what he allows you to do. If you put Elijah Mitchell in the slot, every defensive coordinator is going to be like, great, that's a win for me. <laughs> but when you put Christian McCaffrey in the slot, it's like, oh, crap, now we got to worry about this. That's the difference. That's why he's so valuable to this team. And they love to mess with defensive coordinators. They'll start out with McCaffrey in the backfield. Then they'll motion him into the slot. They'll put Debo in the backfield. Then they'll have somebody else come in motion from the opposite side of the formation. Every time they do that, it changes all the assignments from what the defenders have to do. That's what the Niners do. They mess with your head before the play even starts. And they can do that so much more with Christian McCaffrey. That's why I feel like he's so important to the team. I was literally shocked. I know how good Christian McCaffrey is, and I know how good of a receiver he is. When I went, when I was doing his projections to look at his average yards per reception in his career, he is always over 8.5, 8.5, 8.7, 9.0. That is a wide receiver in the slot. I mean, that would be low for a wide receiver, but a lot of slot wide receivers don't average too much. Like Cooper Cup last year averaged 10 yards per reception and CMC's at like nine yards per reception. (laughs) Juju consistently averages only like nine yards per reception. I mean, that's a big knock on him. Deontay Johnson is not even a slot, but you know, with the Steelers never passing the ball down the field averages like 10 yards per reception. And you're telling me a running back is averaging nearly nine yards per reception. That is a cheat code. That is incredible like I I just was like literally blown away when I saw that I'm like that doesn't happen really good running backs really really good running back seasons not even running back careers running back seasons are like eight yards per reception while Christian McCaffrey's nearly at nine yards per reception in his career that's absurd and you still don't think he'll be RB1 for you. You still putting Bijan over. I I don't know. I keep going back and forth. I will probably, I I think my heart wants to go Bijan. My head is telling me you should go Christian McCaffrey. I am extremely worried about the travel for the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey's health. That is a big concern of mine. They travel the second most miles of any team in the league this year, uh, which of course I think Seattle is number one and they are not going to do the east coast stay over thing both because the schedule doesn't really allow it and apparently the players started complaining about it so that is not a thing that's going to happen so yeah they're going to have some some trips this year that they are not that they didn't really have to deal with last year remember last year 
they didn't leave the Pacific time zone. I think after week 11, they went to Mexico city to play the Cardinals. I could be wrong on the week, but I know they, they played the Cardinals in Mexico city and then they didn't leave the, the Pacific time zone after that. That is not how it's going to be this year. Yeah. I, I just, I know he stayed relatively healthy last year, just some bangs and bruises, but those two years prior are still scary. I mean, they're still in your mind because when you're spending that high of a draft pick, you need to know he's going to last and be available. And the travel scares me. So I kind of lean Bijan that way. He just seems more durable, but any running back can get hurt. And a guy I absolutely love, uh, spoiler alert for the running back show, Tony Pollard. I'm going to have him stupid high. I love him. And he's coming off that, uh, what was it? A leg fracture. So it was, yeah, it was not, it was kind of a gnarly injury against the 49ers in that playoff game. Uh, I love Tony Pollard. I want him to get healthy because I want him to get paid and he deserves to get paid. It is funny that I'm seeing rumblings that like the Cowboys might bring Ezekiel Elliott back. He's got to be like, damn it. I can't just let him go. Zeke, go away. Go to any other team. All right, let's go to wide receivers now. And this is really, I think there's a lot to dive into here. You've got Ayuk, you've got Debo. Debo's on the record as saying his 2022 season was awful, horrible. And it was. Ayuk had a great, 2022 season and he's been like the story of mini camp is Brandon Ayuk looks amazing really really good how do you rank the 49ers wide receivers fantasy wise so this was hard because they have now four receivers that deserve a lot of targets with Debo Ayuk Kittle and CMC there's not enough to go around And as I stated with Brock Purdy last year, they did not throw the ball very often. They're on pace for 477 pass attempts on the season, 17 game pace for the five games that Purdy started in the regular season. I don't think their defense is going to be as dominant as they were last year. How dare you? I think they'll be good. But so I do expect the pass attempts to be up a little bit, but they're probably, they're not going to throw for much more than 500 pass attempts. So it's really hard to get these guys all their targets they deserve. You know, CMC is going to get his targets. 90, I have him at 90, and that's low for him in his career. He's normally above 100, 120 when he stays healthy. So I actually have that low for him. I have Kittle at 100 targets. That doesn't leave a ton of targets to go to both Devo and Brandon Ayuk. So I have Ayuk sitting at 115 targets. That's not enough to be a great fantasy asset. It's enough to be a okay wide receiver too, where you can plug him in and he's going to have some good games. I have him at 1,084 yards, seven touchdowns. I think what can drastically change his season is if he ended up getting over the double-digit touchdowns. That could happen, but I, I have him at seven. I feel comfortable there. And that gives him 233 PPR points that actually would have made him the wide receiver 14 last year. Overall, it's actually just one spot ahead of where he finished. He finished as a wide receiver 15 last year, scored 228 points. So I have him with a pretty similar season. He did have a very nice, uh, you know, time with Brock Purdy as the starter. He got 22.7% of the team's targets. His, Average yards per reception went way up with him. Uh, actually, everyone's did, but Ayuk was sitting at 14.4 yards per reception with Purdy, which is really nice. But Debo missed a chunk of those games. So 
it's hard to give them too many more targets. Like I, I can't add targets. If anything, you have to subtract them. I, I don't think there's enough to go around for these wide receivers to be great for fantasy. What is your philosophy when it comes to guys in contract years in fantasy? Because I think there's a belief with the 49ers that, look, Ayuk is, you know, he's really busting his ass this year because it's a contract year and he wants to get paid. It doesn't have to do with talent, though. Like my projection has nothing to do with talent for Ayuk. I have him being very efficient. Like I, I have him having an efficient year, averaging 14.5 yards per reception, 65 catch percentage, scoring seven times. Like it's not about talent for Brandon Ayuk. If he was on, I don't know, Houston, like playing with CJ Stroud, even like not even a good quarterback, I would have his targets way, way, way up. It's like he would need to be on a team that could actually provide targets for him. But when you're possibly the fourth option for a target in any single game, not for the season, but in any single game, you could have the fourth fewest targets on your team. It's really hard to project him to be a very good fantasy wide receiver. I think he will have nice games. I think he's going to be inconsistent. And I think Debo and him will both kind of go back and forth with who gets more targets that game, who breaks off the the touchdown, who gets the targets in the red zone. Are they going short that game or a little bit more intermediate? Like it, it's all going to change. And I, I don't want any piece of Brandon Ayuk or really Debo Samuel this year. I have Debo projected for pretty similar to Ayuk, just a little bit under 10 fewer points. I am at 965 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, 192 rushing yards. Let me just say, if he has four receiving touchdowns, that's a huge disappointment. That is a massive score receiving touchdowns. He, they have to, change his usage and you've talked about this a lot they need to get him the ball deeper down the field you're paying him to be an elite wide receiver an elite player yes because they are paying him apart for what he does on the ground but he's got to give you more last year he had two receiving touchdowns in 13 games just over 600 yards like that is not gonna cut it you have to get more out of it it's the same thing i talked about with george kittle complaining about george kittle when you pay guys elite money, you have to get elite production out of them to justify it. The teams are set up to where you need the guys that you pay the most to to produce the most. Kittle wasn't up until Brock took over last year, and then he actually was. Debo was not last year at any point, so he better step it up. Four receiving touchdowns is a disaster for Debo Samuel in 2023 if it happens. It's not great, but it's hard to – project him for more, right? How, how much more could you give him? Six? The problem is he's not great in the red zone because he's not a great route runner. Ayuk is the best receiving threat in the red zone because he's yeah. a fantastic route runner. So whatever coverage, zone, man, whatever in the red zone, he can get open. You can go on Twitter right now and search for Ayuk video and you'll just see clips of him roasting people. But that's not what Debo is. When Debo gets red zone touchdowns, it's usually rushing touchdowns in the red zone or like a screen pass where he just trucks three dudes and scores. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change. So that's what makes it difficult with Debo because the majority of touchdowns are scored inside the red zone. And that's not where he excels as a receiver. This is how I picture the 49ers to operate when they get towards the goal line. It's going to be. Let's get Christian McCaffrey and rushing, right? That's the first one. If it's really close, maybe, you know, just do a quarterback sneak with Purdy or let's get the ball to Kittle because he's that big freaking dude. And he, you know, apparently Purdy and him have that connection. Although a lot of the touchdowns were deep for Kittle. So a little bit different or Brandon, Ayuk, like he's a really good route runner. Like you said, that he can get open that then makes Debo Samuel the fifth option. 
And maybe it's rushing, maybe it's receiving, but I, I have him with three rushing touchdowns. So I have him scoring seven times. I just, I, I think even his rushing would be ahead of getting him a target around the goal line. Like I think Kyle Shanahan would say, all right, next option, run the ball with Diva. And then maybe after that would be get Debo a target. I agree. Jeremy Watson says, sad to say Debo would be a pickup for fantasy if the 49ers injury to McCaffrey or Kittle. Yeah, yeah, that would change it a little. Um, but I agree with your kind of hierarchy there. McCaffrey is definitely option number one in the red zone. It's the safest thing. And we know Kyle Shanahan loves safe. Just hand it to Christian and hope he gets in. That's basically We're passing the McCaffrey. I didn't even say that. And that's definitely yeah. ahead of Devo as well. Sorry. And those, yeah, those would generally be safer passes too in the flat or just close to the line of scrimmage. That's the hierarchy there. Uh, Debo is not high on that hierarchy. I also agree with Kenny. Dear God, don't sneak with Purdy. I've seen enough of that. Not a skill the kid has. He's a thousand percent right. Brock stinks at it. He's not good at it. And we're we're especially spoiled because Jimmy Garoppolo was excellent at it. Brock is bad. He he like he gets too vertical. He stands up. Christian McCaffrey has to shove him in all the time. He did get two last year. Gotta give him that. Two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, but one wasn't a sneak. It was just a scramble where he went up the middle. And the other one was Christian McCaffrey picking him up and shoving him. For- he's not he'd good because he's like a little like, I don't know. He, yeah, like he, a little twitchy guy. Yeah, you think he'd be good. He's not. He's small, though. He's small. Uh, let's see. Nick says, that's the flip side. Kyle will call a red zone play for Debo over IU. Christian McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, red zone targets. I don't think he'll call a red zone play. He'll call a run for Debo over a pass to IU. I would agree with that because... If Kyle had his way, he would never throw inside the red zone. He he just doesn't like to. Um, I I know that there's no fantasy value for anybody beyond that wide receiver wise for the 49ers because you're not if you have to play Ray Ray McLeod on your team, your fantasy season has gone off the rails. Let me just yeah. Say. And sadly, I don't think there's any room for like Danny Gray. Well, obviously not for fantasy, but is there room for Danny Gray to become something this year to actually break out or were both of their third round picks last year, just completely useless. Kyle is brutal on wide receivers specifically because he played wide receiver in college. So he thinks he knows all about it. And he has a very specific, um, picture of what you're supposed to do at that position and especially as rookies most rookies do not understand how much blocking they're going to have to do and all the different things they're going to have to learn so it's hard so it's possible that Danny Gray could have a much better year this year but I just I I I could easily see Danny Gray having like 16 catches this year literally now maybe they're you know for like 18 yards a catch because all he does is just go deep but that could be, and there's value in that uh, from a team perspective, not from a fantasy perspective, obviously. But I think that if Danny Gray does anything, it's going to be something like that. What's hilarious is that I have Danny Gray at 10 targets at, for 18 yards per reception. So you just, because like you just said, the 18 there yards. There you go. go. We both have it. I, I do think he can get more than 10 targets. It's just there wasn't enough to go around to all these players. You know, Jawan Jennings is going to get his handful of targets. Like he, Whatever reason, they're going to get him involved. So, I don't understand why you hate on Juwan Jennings so much. Nobody is saying he's like a stud wide receiver. All he does is catch passes on third down and make first downs. What is so terrible about that? He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Sixty-six percent of his catches went for first downs last year. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, you just poo poo that like it's nothing. I mean, most wide receivers catches go. I mean, like, like I said, 
bad wide receivers average 10 yards per reception. So that's the first down. And that's bad wide receivers. He's this is his role. That's all he does is on third down. That's all they want him to do. Doesn't matter if it's if it's third and five, get six. If it's third and four, get five. That's all. They don't care if it's 10 yards per catch. Just keep the damn chains moving, Juwan. We love you. It's probably his last year in San Francisco. Will you leave the poor guy alone? He's a very solid fifth option for any. Yes. Uh, And I think that if the Niners had their uh, druthers, let's say, Ronnie Bell will be the Juwan Jennings in the future because Jennings is going to be a free agent after the year. They'll let him go. They're not going to. They're not going to compete with anybody for his services. And uh, we'll see if Ronnie Bell can take that spot. Next I mean, up, I think Danny Gray would be a little bit more like exciting, though, as the fourth wide receiver on the field instead of Juwan. Maybe not as safe, but having that deep threat, that speed, don't you think that would be a little bit better? Well, it it you're trying to do two different things. With, with Danny Gray on the field, you want to – stretch the defense, take the top off, force the safeties to have to honor that deep play. You're not doing any of that with Juwan Jennings because he's not fast. He was a seventh-round draft pick for a reason. All you're doing with him is finding a way to get him open on third down, and he's particularly good after the catch as well. He can break some tackles. So your goals are just – they're two totally different things with what you want on the field with them. So I think – Dan, that's why I think Danny Gray is like – he's mostly on the field to run. Not really to catch. That Hopefully he sees the field more often. I mean, there was yeah. a reason they took him and I think it was for speed and that they just take these third rounders and they're like, we don't care. We're just, we're just throwing them in the garbage. Cause that's what we do yeah. with our third round picks. It is frustrating for sure. Uh, now let's get to the tight ends. This is a more fun position than in years past. Cause the Niners drafted a couple of guys and they have gotten virtually nothing out of their backup tight ends. The tight end, the backup tight ends have combined for 16 catches over the past two seasons. So it has basically been Kittle and a pile of nothing. What do you make of Kittle for next year? Because he started scoring like a madman down the stretch last year. Do you think that continues? Or do you think that was kind of just like a, you know, a hot streak, essentially? He should have always been a great scorer. This is what we yes. talked about last offseason. And I did project that. Kittle would have his best receiving touchdown year, but it was for many different reasons. Cause I said, because Trey Lance would open that up for him mm-hmm. and it would be so hard to defend. And that didn't end up happening because Trey Lance didn't play, but he did score his career high 11 receiving touchdowns. Seven of them came with Purdy, right? Yep. Yeah. Pretty insane. So I actually, I have him projected for 10 again. I think it's hard to project anyone for more than 10 receiving touchdowns. 10 is a really good year. Uh, And then I have them with 100 targets, 70 receptions, 910 receiving yards. A very, very good tight end season. That would have put him at tight end two uh, this past year um, if he would have scored those same points. He ended as a tight end three last season. So I have him, you know, having a better year than he did last year, but not by too much. And we, the biggest thing with Kittle is we need him to be more consistent. And with Brock Purdy, he was a consistent fantasy scorer because the touchdowns, however, the receiving yards and receptions were not consistent. I, he still, even with this projection, a really nice projection of 910 yards and 10 touchdowns, it still would have been a hundred fewer points than Travis Kelsey scored last year. A hundred fewer <laughs> fantasy points. Like no one's touching Travis Kelsey. So obviously Kelsey's the one Oh one of tight ends. But I also, when all things are done, I do think I probably would still even have TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews ranked over George Kittle. They both, like Hawkinson was so good for the Vikings last year. I do think he's probably the second target on this team. 
this season. And then Mark Andrews with Lamar Jackson is just amazing as well. George Kittle's too inconsistent for me, but it, you can't rank him further than tight end four. Like he'll be tight end four at the worst. The yardage is that's the problem. I feel like with all these 49ers players is because Kyle Shanahan just changes the game plan every single week. You never know who's going to be the guy that week. Like Justin Jefferson, the Vikings have to chuck Justin Jefferson the ball if they're going to do anything. Yeah. So that's why he puts up numbers every week. With the 49ers, Debo and Ayuk could do nothing. It could be Kittle and McCaffrey one week. Or maybe it's Ayuk and Kittle. And, or, you know, whatever combination you want to have, you're never going to have as consistent a production with them than you will with some other teams. And, yeah, Kittle just – he has too many games where it's five catches, 28 yards four catches 20 that's that kills you well and that's what i mean lav and i talked about this last week where george kittle was like i really came all along in the second half of the season it's like in touchdowns but the second right. half of the season i mean if you're just looking from week 12 on oh you took it off um i was looking at your stats but a lot oh. of 20 yard games in there it's like that's not coming along i mean week 12 26 yards mm-hmm. then the next week 22 then the next week 28 did have really two good weeks, 93 and 120, but then 23 and 29. So maybe he means coming along with touchdowns, but he still was not a heavy part of this offense in the slightest. The Kittle factor that I feel like, I hope the Niners had their eyes open to it last year, the explosiveness. Mm-hmm. He had five touchdowns. Get him the ball in space. No one's tackling him. Like, no one is tackling him if he has if he has movement if he has space to move and like get his run game on. He's just no one's tackling that man unless you have three guys there to all take him <laughs> down. He's not going down. So they need to be like the way they used him with Brock Purdy. I loved it. I mean, I and as long as he keeps scoring touchdowns, if he scores ten touchdowns, he's going to be a really good fantasy tight end. The receptions, like in PPR leagues, it's going to be a little bit harder to rank him over a TJ Hawkinson or a Mark Andrews, just because they feel a little bit safer with their receptions. Obviously yep. Kelsey's number one, no matter what, but in people, like if you're in a half PPR or standard, I do think his touchdowns will still be there. I think they learned something last year. And I think Brock Purdy looks for George Kittle. And like I said, get him the ball in space. He's scoring. I, no one's tackling this man. I hope that we better see that double screen play again to Kittle at some point next year. The one they ran against Seattle. That was so freaking great. As soon as you saw Brock, let it go. I was like, Oh my God, there's <laughs> nobody there. Like there's just not going to be, just, anybody you there. just figured there had to be a penalty. Like someone did something wrong. <laughs> it was absurdly good, but it was so damn exciting to see finally that potential that I've talked about forever. What do I always say with Kittle? Blocking is the second best thing he does. And hopefully they keep that going. I, yeah, he's just, he's a unicorn at the position. I know Kelsey is good, but Kittle is, is a little different. Kittle can break tackles after the catch. Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns of 30 yards or more last year. Kittle had five tied for the third most in the entire league. And he was most by a tight end. I mean, he's absolutely, I, I was listening to you. I know you think I wasn't. I, I don't know. Were you? <laughs> I was slightly okay. listening to you, but uh, I, I agree with you that he is absurdly electric because 
any tight end having those type of huge plays, but don't, I think it comes down more to like, he just won't go down. Right. Like that's why he's able to get all those yards. Now he it was targeted more down the field with Brock Purdy, but it's not like they were super long passes. It's just like, if he gets like that, I don't know how to explain it. If he gets that ball, like on a slant and he's running like a slant, you know, like if he's running sideways instead of forward, you're like, no one's stopping this man. I don't know. Like I'm trying to make the hand gestures right now, but you know, I just, I, that's one of my favorite plays whenever watching football and I see George Kittle running with that ball and he's going like, I'm like, okay, he's gone. He's gone. He's done. When there's one dude in the way, you're like, that's, that's not happening. And I hope it continues. I really, really do. And that's what it's really going to come down to for the 49ers. Because like you said, the volume with the passing game is not going to be there. It's what do Ayuk and Debo and Kittle do with the opportunities that they do get. And that, that can be really scary in fantasy because, you know, you got to roll sevens. Those dice got to come up seven a lot of times for you to cash in and get the points. And generally that when the more you have to hit that bet, the more likely you are to lose. But the potential is there, but you got to be willing. You got to be comfortable with risk to take a lot of 49ers on your team. So when we really just like the overview of the 49ers fantasy team, it's so hard. It's really hard to project because they have too many weapons. Too many receiving weapons. And Christian McCaffrey feels like home run hitter. He's the focal point of this offense. He's going to be great for fantasy. The other guys I do think will be highly consistent, inconsistent, especially Debo and Ayuk and Kittle with the tight end position being what it is. There's not very many good tight ends out there for fantasy. And almost all of them are highly inconsistent as it is. So you're happy with George Kittle because he, he can give you those huge games that a lot of tight ends cannot. So yeah. You're willing to take those down games because you know he can put up a 30-point fantasy game, which there's like three tight ends out there that could do that. Like there's not many. So you're you're able to take George Kittle because of that super high potential. But I do think he's going to be, as always, like you're going to have to be patient with him because there's going to be some games it's just not great. Um, so it really comes down to CMC Kittle and I don't want anything to do with Ayuk or Debo unless they fall really far in my drafts. And I think Ayuk at that point or Debo even become a nice value, which they could fall to a nice spot. Cause I don't think they're going to be drafted around wide receiver 15. And I think that's where both of them could land around. So they could be a really nice value. It's just like, I'm not dying to get them and I'm not reaching to get them. The frustrating thing with Debo is like, we've seen it with him we've seen him as a wide receiver look really really good in 2021 he had 1400 yards on less than 80 catches that has rarely been done in the history of the league that year he started 189 and one against detroit 93 in week two 52 receive and this is just receiving yards 52 receiving yards in week three 156 and two touchdowns then 58 then 100 and a touchdown 171 the week after that like he was incredible like how can you see that from him and then be like where is that the rest of the time where did it go it's very frustrating and it's Kyle Shanahan just I don't know like I know he's so smart and I know he's a offensive genius but he used Debo highly incorrectly last year I think he just got obsessed with the way they were using him at the end of the last season, he was like this weapon for the team. And he was just like obsessed with using him as a weapon instead of a wide receiver. And it really hurt Debo, I think as a NFL player and especially fantasy, 
And hopefully he gets back to being like, well, I have my weapon in Christian McCaffrey. I don't need to have Debo be that all the time. Use him as a real wide receiver. I'm not saying he's going to have, you know, 12 air yards per target or anything like that. Like I know it's going to be low, but at least get a more than a one running back. gets. like, he was averaging basically what a running back gets in air yards per target last year. That has to increase massively. And I hope it does. Cause he can be really good. I'm just checking right now. Cause uh, rich Madrid tweeted out a great stat last year. Debo Samuel had 27 catches behind the line of scrimmage. That was almost half of his receptions for the entire season. It was 48% of Debo's catches last year came behind the line of scrimmage. That is not the best way to use him. That it, It's got to stop, Kyle. You can do better than that. Yeah, I mean, just throw it. It was all the time. It was just target behind the line. Do your drop. Do like, make a miracle. There's three guys coming for you. Make a miracle. It's like you, and they know that's what's happening. Like defenses at this point, they know like Debo is just going to sit back there, get this. Like that's not, that's not successful. Uh, Hopefully it does stop. You've had a whole off season to draw it up. Also like we were talking about with Brock Purdy, how this team scored so many points with Brock Purdy and CMC Debo missed a good chunk of those games because of injury. It's like almost the offense was better not because Debo Samuel was gone, but because, because Kyle Shanahan wasn't using a player in that way. That was just wasteful plays. It's true. So Debo was there for uh, for Purdy's first start. He had four catches for 43 yards. Then he missed the next three games. He missed the Seattle game, the Washington game, and the Raider game. And then Debo came back for the final week of the regular season against Arizona uh, he only had he two also, like two of those yards. games. He only played 50% because he got hurt in the one and he missed 50% of the game and didn't play him the full time when he, yeah. So, uh, in the game, he got hurt. He only played 43% of the snaps. So it was really, that was the first game Purdy started was week 14. And he only played 43% of snaps, missed the next three games and then played 68% of the snaps when he came back only two receptions for 20, but like that was his first game back from injury. So Basically, he played a few quarters with Purdy in the regular season. And then, of course, they had their time together in the playoffs. And he did have a great game against the Seahawks. But we we don't really know about these two uh, a whole ton yet. And how Kyle Shanahan will use Debo with Purdy under center. And that look, that's half the battle when you're talking about fantasy and projections and all that stuff. So we will see. Uh, God, I hope. If you could get peak Ayuk, peak Kittle, or peak Debo in 2023, what would you want? Peak Debo. Peak Debo. You would want him even more than Kittle. Yeah. I mean, Kittle's Kittle. He's already at peak. It's just about his usage. That's it. (laughs) And I think, like, Ayuk is Ayuk. It all comes down to usage. Again, with Debo, the way he performed in 2021 and just – overtook game like there was games where it looked like they were going to lose and then he would just break off this insane play and you're like what is happening and he brings his team back and those plays change a game so drastically that what Debo can do that if you get peak Debo again I think that's the biggest difference maker Nick Ellert is asking for Debo's playoff stats he had a great game in uh the wild card game and then six for 133 and a touchdown yeah, I mean, amazing. 
But then he went for four for 45 in the game against the Cowboys. And then he went for three for 33 in the game against the Eagles, which you kind of throw out because there was no quarterback in that game. Yeah. Uh, you see that six rush attempts for negative nine yards. Did you mute yourself? Yes, I did. Okay. Not good. They should play a sound when you mute yourself in your headphones so you know that you're muted because I yeah. can still hear myself in my headphones. So I'm like, oh, I'm good idiot i do that once a show um i will say devo had a long reception of 74 yards in that wild card game right cool cool but still we don't know how kyle will use him with brock just because he had that one game of 133 where one of the receptions 74 yards like and i i for some reason i just can't remember was it a long throw i'm trying to look right no now. It, was a, it was a very short throw okay and so it was, it, it was one that he just broke off and it was in the fourth quarter I don't think that really tells us anything. I have seen, it's so funny that you say that. Like I have watched all these games so many times. I can just, I can see the play in my head. It was Brock rolling out to the left. Debo came across the field to the right, caught it. And that's the play where Ayuk blocked his guy for like five seconds. And Debo just turned on the afterburners and went down the left sideline for the touchdown. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that in the slightest, but that was so it's 66 yards after the catch. So again, it was the same usage where he was getting short air yards. It was so, yeah, that's great. He broke one off. I mean, and that's what we're used to Debo doing, but I don't think that's, oh, with Brock Purdy, he's getting targeted deeper. No, he wasn't. He just happened to break off this touchdown. And that'd be a nice little wrinkle. You know, we always talk about every year. One year, it was Debo as a running back. That was the wrinkle. Last year, it was Christian McCaffrey. That was Kyle's wrinkle. Maybe this year, it'll be using Debo deeper down the field as an actual wide receiver. How about that? Let's try that, Kyle. I would love to see a wide receiver be a deep threat in this offense. Let's see some. But also, we don't know how far Brock Purdy can throw with this elbow. If it was Trey Lance, I could see them trying to you know, get a speedster more involved, like a Danny Gray and throwing deep to him. I think or- that was the plan. I really think that was their plan. Trey's going to take over. We're going to run more stuff inside. That's why they drafted a couple of bigger bodied players and Aaron Banks did not fit the traditional Shanahan profile. I think they were like, we're going to go Trey. We're going to run power up the middle and we're going to chuck it deep. And that's going to be our new thing this year to keep offenses off balance. And then of course didn't happen for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that was unfortunate. The best that would have been a fun offense, but they were, uh, I mean, I really much enjoyed watching the 49ers with Brock Purdy. I need to remember that. Go watch it again. I watch it like every other week. I'm so desperate for football. I just rewatch old stuff. I, I can't watching... rewatch games. I could like, what? you know what happened. That's all right. I re I watch for different stuff. I was watching 2019 games the other day, watching their defense. And my God, if you know, the plan for the 49ers on defense really quickly is to get back to 2019. And if they do, holy hell. I think we forget how insane they were. You had DeForest Buckner up the middle pressuring quarterbacks, and then there was nowhere for them to go because it was D Ford and Bosa on the outside, just literally converging on the quarterback at the same time. That's what they want to get back to. Imagine if you just paid DeForest Buckner what you paid Javon Hargrave. Yeah. Okay. Eh. But they got Hargrave. And but... then they could have used that 13th overall pick on, you know, Tristan Wirfs. I hate when people do that, though, with the draft. They always go back and assume, well, if you use this pick on this guy. Well, that's who Tampa Bay ended up taking. Or no. That's yeah, it was Tampa Bay. Yeah. 
they always pick the studs. They do that like, oh, if they didn't trade that's who they end up taking and not picking a stud. That's the pick. That was the pick. That was who the Bucks picked. But who says the 49ers would have picked that? We don't know. They, I mean, hell, they could have picked Trifton Wurfs. They chose not to. That I don't like when people do that. Well, if they didn't trade the picks for Trey Lance, they could have had Micah Parsons. Yeah, maybe. Or they could have had a scrub in the first round. I've seen this team pick. What Adrian draft Jones. is this? 2020 or 2019? Which draft? The uh, Tristan Wurfs draft? I think that was the yeah. COVID year. Yeah. Okay, because the 49ers ended up taking Javon Kinlaw. And Ayuk. They got both that year, I believe, right? Yeah. Because uh, Kyle, I remember the reaction from Kyle was like super excited after they. Man, after they, took- they just took CD Lamb instead of Javon Kinlaw or Justin Jefferson, I guess should be my I thing. But Justin Jefferson it. wasn't expected to be this. What'd you say? I think Ayuk is just as good as CD Lamb. I think the only reason we don't think that about Ayuk no, is because he just no. doesn't have the he doesn't play in the same offense. He doesn't have the the opportunity. Yeah, if you if you put Ayuk with the Cowboys as a wide receiver one and put CD Lamb, I agree with you that it would yeah. be different for both. I do think CD Lamb is extremely talented though, but I also think Ayuk is extremely talented. But you can agree that Justin Jefferson is above. Oh God, yeah. I mean, clearly. Imagine <laughs> being Philly and taking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is, he's on the Jerry Rice track. Like, Niner fans don't like to admit that anybody's on the Jerry Rice track. Justin, he's on his way, man. He's freaking unbelievable. I will see how that turns out. I do like him. Uh, Nick just made a good point. I, I got that mixed up. Nick uh, said if they signed Buckner, they wouldn't have picked 14. I don't know why I was thinking I got that mixed up in my head. You're correct. But it turns out it didn't matter because Javon Kinlaw is as good as not having pick 14. <laughs> yeah. This is the year, though. He's going to stay healthy. Sure. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Network. Smash the like and subscribe buttons for the YouTube channel, please. We go live almost every single day at this point, so you always want to get notified when we do that. Please, 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 and thank you. And if, like we say, if you leave a review, we will read it on the show. You've already had your mimosa today, Michelle. What's the rest no, of your weekend look on. like? I got to go grocery shopping after mimosa. <laughs> I don't know. That's That could be a dangerous situation. It'll be fun. All right, everybody. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.